I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast from an independent publishing company that explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Luke Condor with K, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Daniel Wilcox. How's it going, man? You alright? I'm all good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, you've been uh, been writing. What have you been doing? What have you been up to? Uh, I've had a bit of a slow writing week actually this week. Um, just one of the hazards of having a, a full-time job as well as writing. Just sometimes it sucks into it but yeah. I, I won't go into all the specifics but yeah, yeah I, I basically I've got a lot of stuff that I want to write and just not yeah. the time to do it at the minute so I'm, I'm aiming to have a, a nice splurge next week sure, just sure. all over the walls yeah yeah <laughs> yeah me too I mean um jobs uh will get in the way that's just how it is I'm afraid mm. we should just we should uh, do an episode just about jobs and writing in jobs yeah trying to Sneakily writing during while she's trying to work. Have, Have you ever done? done? Um, well, uh, so I, I've done stuff like uh, so. I've got my notes app out, and I've um, made like like notes and stuff uh, on my phone as I'm sort of doing stuff. And also like when I'm preparing for a podcast or something, I might jot ideas down or or something like that. But I, I don't think I've ever, not recently anyway, been able to just sit down and actually write because like Ed's there, like you know, working with me. <laughs> You're like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Just writing a little horror Sorry. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just killing people in, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. Um, I'm kind of the same, really. Like, I've written blog posts and stuff when I've been at work because they're only just short bits that yeah. you know you can spew out. But um, I, I find I, unless I'm, I know I've got a chunk undisturbed. Even yeah, if that's, yeah. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to whatever. Yeah. But if I'm doing it at work, I know that at any moment I could get disturbed by someone wanting something. Yeah. And to have to kind of like come out of that zone and be like, yeah. oh, what, what can I do for you, cat? It's, it's a bit weird. Yeah. Also, like, um, to do fresh copy, yeah, but like I can edit. I can like read through stuff quite easily and sort of, uh, you know, t- delete stuff and, and uh, kind of proofread it in my head. Um, but again, you do need that sort of flow state to sort of, you don't yeah, yeah. be undisturbed whilst you're doing it. I feel like it'll be quite disjointed if you keep getting disturbed and jumping back in. It just yeah. just probably just take a bit more editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, have you got a big whoop? Yeah, my my big whoop for this week is um, I had a book come out Monday with um, someone that's come on the podcast before, Mister Jay Thorne. 
um, the king of collaborators, um, who he, he has the American Demon Hunter series that he's worked for quite a lot of people on, and he spoke a little bit about that on the show. And uh, I've added my my chapters to the, that ever-growing story with, with some cool people. So that came out on Monday. It's currently available on Amazon for, I think it's 99p for the week. So by the time this airs, which is tomorrow, um, it should still be be there if you guys want to grab it. But it was a, it was a, a cool experience writing in someone else's pre-created world. But yeah. it was definitely a challenge. Yeah, writing with someone else's IP. Um mm. Yeah, I always felt like that, like, um, if you were going to write for Marvel or, you know, something like that, you kind of have to learn how to use their characters or write in their characters' voices. I imagine it can be quite weird. Yeah, it's very, there's there's a specific way of doing it. And as you're writing, whereas with our books, it was a case of, let's just write what comes naturally, let's follow the story. It's sort of X amount of words, you have a rise, X amount of words, you have a fall, because it very much follows the, the model from the story grid. Yeah. Um, in how oh, the whole structures. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I was a bit more conscious of the actual rises and falls, but yeah. I don't know if that'd yeah. be for a better story or not, but I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. So the only book uh Stephen King ever like outlined, uh like properly outlined was Insomnia. That's what he says anyway. Mm. Um but Insomnia's got like such a fantastic ending. <laughs> and like, yeah. but then again, Insomnia is the book that most people don't like. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if it works or not, but it depends on <laughs> it depends on you as a writer, I guess. Yeah. yeah, anything that Stephen King touches is gold. So yeah, I've been reading Gerald's game. Yeah, so good. Yeah, see, that's one of the ones that I've keep seeing popped up a lot, but mm. I don't actually know that much about it. Okay, so the 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 premise it's quite a short one. It's only four hundred pages. So it's, oh, is that uh, all? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but like compared to like Stephen King, it's pretty uh, it's pretty tight. I'm trying uh, to read it at the minute, which is fourteen hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. Um, I booked my ticket as well for today for it the film. Oh, I'm excited for that. Okay, so Gerard's game. So there's a film coming up for that <laughs> soon. Uh, so the idea is that a woman and uh, her husband are trying to spice up their sex life. So they go to this uh, little lakeside cabin, and um, he ties Gerald, uh, Gerald of the game. He um, ties her up with handcuffs to the bed, um, and then as they start to get into it, um, he has a heart attack and dies. So and then she's literally stranded out there on the bed, handcuffed to the bed. Um, there's no one there. Uh, a dead husband's in the room. Um, oh my god! And then like weird stuff starts to happen as she sort of uh, starts to starve, and uh, like you're not too sure if stuff's in her head or if it's like real. That like yeah, and it gets quite dark. There's a there's a, a dog. I don't want to spoil it if anyone does read it, but there's a dog. Cujo. Uh, well, it's like it's not like a big dog. It's not like a scary dog, but it's the fact that she's tied down. She can't do anything. It's yeah, it's it's pretty grim. But, oh um, my god! Yeah, that I'm is a bit. That. He is very good at writing those kind of those parts where you really get into someone's head and, and yeah, you do get confused because yeah. the whole second act of, of Cujo is is that is the is the yeah. have you read Cujo? No, no. Uh, so it's like a woman and a child yeah. locked in a car on like some farm out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Like, so most books have like. Uh... They'll go, okay, so this person, they're going to go there and that's not going to work. And then they go somewhere else and then something else happens to them. So something else has to happen. Whereas Stephen, these kind of Stephen King books, like there's like one location that nothing really happens, but you get so in their head, so into mm. the minutiae, and it's so tense. Or like he's able to, <laughs> he's, he's, he is a master. Like he is so good at like enveloping you and like uh, keeping you hooked. And like not much happens, but it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, I need to read that one then. 
Yeah, yeah. Thing is, I find that I'll read a Stephen King book, and then I'll be yeah. like, I need to read something a bit less intense. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll go back to another Stephen King book. Yeah, yeah. It, I remember as so I read it earlier this year, and that was uh, that's probably one of my favorite books I've ever read. Now it's wow. It's uh, it's a masterclass in like horror, like it's it's an essay as well. Like it's 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 everything that a horror novel should be. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that's going to be my big whip, uh, Gerald's game. I guess it's really good. I was going to talk about my Huel, my powdered food uh, replacement, but uh, I'll leave that. Right. No, 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 no. Let, oh, let's yeah. come back to that. Just, <laughs> let's touch on that a little bit. You can't just dangle that in the water and then pull it out before anyone bites. <laughs> Why are you eating space food? <laughs> Did you ever? Well, okay. So, uh, what do you eat for lunch at work? Like normally. I normally eat a sandwich because I'm really I'm really boring actually. Every day is a ham and cheese fucking sandwich. Okay, I mean that sounds pretty good. But um, so Huel is like uh, it's like a little shake. You put the powder in, three scoops of powder, and it's a complete meal substitute. So you get like forty grams of protein. Uh, it's like eating like a big, really super healthy chicken salad thing, but it's like a vanilla milkshake sort of taste. Actually, it tastes more like ready break. But um, and like, some people have gone to the uh, where they only have. To Huel now because it's got everything you need. Like you don't actually need to have actual food, although you probably want to. Are you uh, saying fuel or huel? Huel. So it's human fuel. That's the thing. But it does sound a little bit like someone vomiting up after. Consume- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm yeah. googling this stuff. Where the hell did you get it from? Uh, I think it's based in London. Uh, it's UK. Huel. Did you ever? Did you never see the Soylent thing? So Soylent was. Um, which is a terrible name because there's a film called Soylent Green, which is where they they like uh, uh, melt people down and like turn them into this food that they give to, to people, and they like uh, they call it Soylent Green. Then a company came right. out called Soylent, and he says you you're never going to have to have anything else other than Soylent from now on. Um, oh my god! But it wasn't quite it wasn't quite good good in in some ways. Uh, but Huel is meant to be it's uh, it's completely vegan as well. Not that um, you know I'm not really inclined, but. <laughs> So how how are you feeling after this fuel? How long have you been taking it for? Pretty good, pretty good in the morning. Uh, I've only like a week, just for lunch as well. So I just have it because I've been I just eat shit at lunch, like uh, mm. most of the time anyway, like a pasty or you know Greg's or something. No, no, that's not good. You don't want to be having that every day. No, but okay. So did you buy your fuel online? Yeah, you get it's like forty five pound. Forty five pound a bag. It works out about two pound a meal though. Okay. So it kind of works. Yeah, it kind of works out quite well, especially when you think about like how much goodness you're getting in there. Do you know what I mean? Like how rare it is that you have a uh, like for me anyway. Like a like I get all my like nutrients, veggies, and all that kind of stuff sorted, and it's in a tasty ready break milkshake. The story studio podcast brought to you by Huel, <laughs> the human nutrition source. Uh, if you if you're interested, I'll get you a link, and it gets me five pound off my next order. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, I might actually look into some of that then, because I, I I find that I do just eat the same crap, and I'm not sure yeah. if I'm getting the right if I'm getting the right nutrients. Yeah. Oh, so I won't go into too much longer. I would say I've been finding when I wake up in the morning, I've not I've been feeling a lot less groggy. So I've been like just awake, and uh, whether it's because of this, I have no idea. But uh, it, maybe. Maybe it's placebo. <laughs> Cut to two days later, R.I.P. Luke. No, you have to find your Facebook post now. Died from ba- bad fuel. <laughs> that next Stephen King story. Yeah. Bad fuel. Okay, um, so today uh, today we're going to be talking to... In fact, I uh, Dan won't be, talk- won't be there, but in the interview section of the show, it's just going to be me. Uh, Dan was working hard doing his uh, thing. 
<laughs> what, were you doing, what were you doing again? I can't remember. I was working. Actual, actual like proper work. Oh, yeah, I was. I was working outside of hours at work to to get yeah. stuff done. I'm I'm still workhorse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, uh, so I got I got to sit down with a Mr. Harry Sheriff. He's a filmmaker from Manchester. I'll do the proper introduction in a second. But like, I just I was um, captivated really when I saw that he'd gone from making like struggling to try and get stuff made and deciding I'm just going to make my own short films and then he sort of worked his way up to um, uh, getting a feature film development like deal and it's all just off the back of his own uh, elbow grease <laughs> just mix the metaphors wherever it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> but like he's a really really cool guy um, yeah so that's the next part of the show anything else to tell him down before you go, head off to work I, I just want to say I love everyone and you know if, if you want to share the love and get in touch with us just hashtag <laughs> the story studio and just say we love you too Dan we love you too Luke and just yeah let, let's just spread a little bit of love you're all <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say now <laughs> so today we're joined by a young whippersnapper writer and film director based in Manchester uh, in 2016 he made 12 short films in 12 months which screened uh, short film nights all around the Northwest. He made a short with Eye Shorts. Um, it's called Hits Like a Girl. And Eye Shorts is basically like, uh, it's like English uh, funding sort of thing. It's super difficult to, to get. So the fact that he got it means it's really, really excellent. Uh, and he's currently in post-production, I believe, with the six-part web series, uh, Early Days, and has some very exciting feature film news. So how's it going, Mr. Harry Sheriff? How's it going, man? Yeah, it's going great. We're just... Uh finishing touches on the web series and hopefully that'll be up in the next couple of weeks yeah so i mean um so this can be like a little bit of a different show because we'd normally talk we, we tend to talk about like writing and publishing and that kind of thing but like i i don't know where i saw your work first i think maybe someone tweeted like your uh 12 short films project and it just sort of resonated with like i don't know my, my like philosophy of just getting stuck in and, and sort of getting stuff made and not waiting for funding schemes and that kind of thing um, so yeah, this probably cool thing, cool to get you on to to shoot the shoot the shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, just to jump in, what are you currently geeking out on? What are you watching, reading? Um, what's exciting you at the minute? Um, oh god. Well, I finished Master of None season two, and uh, I was in awe uh, of that. I've only seen the first couple of episodes, and I was I was you know you, you want to savor something because it's so good. I was I was pretty much like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just so good. I mean, it's beautiful and it's just so well written. And the fact the first episode of the second season is like black and white yeah. and in, in Italy and just, I think it's just really clever. And uh, Aziz Ansari is just brilliant. Yeah. There's that, um, I think I was in the first season, I was like, this is great. Every episode I was thinking, this is really, this is really great. And then I think it was the last episode and they did like a, a weird little thing. It was, it was, um, the bell jar is, is a quote from now Sylvia Plath about the fig tree and like all of the, the screen kept splitting into different variations of what could happen in his life. And I was like, this is just taking that like next level. It was so like beautiful and, and touching. Yeah. Yeah. What and, you... he, and he's, he's just, he's generous as well. Like, cause when you think of, um, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything cause you've not, you've not watched the second season, but there's, there's so many episodes, like almost half the season that aren't about him. Yeah, They're sort of about other people, and and I think because he is the lead guy, it just shows that he doesn't have the ego, and he's like, you know what, this show 
I'm not going to just do the first season with me again. I'm going to really expand it and improve it. And yeah, so I was impressed with that. I think, yeah, it's weird. Like most, I don't know, it it doesn't feel like he's trying to prove anything. It just really just feels like he's just having fun and and sort of experimenting and doing whatever the hell he wants to do. So it's a really interesting show. So, uh, I mean, do you want to give our our listeners like a little bit of a flavor of like who you are, uh, what you do, where you you come from and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, so I'm from a, a home. To, my hometown is Southport, which is about 45 minutes away from Liverpool. Um, and I knew pretty early on that I wanted to be a film director. Sort of, I was sports obsessed growing up, and then that didn't pan out. I wasn't good enough to be a footballer, so I thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue filmmaking. So I went to university at UCLan and did a, a film production and screenwriting degree. Um, which was awesome. I actually took a year out before it because I knew what course I wanted to do, but there wasn't a course near me that that did it. Yeah. It wasn't very popular um, back then. So this was like 2007 time. Uh, so like media courses aren't weren't what they are now. Um, and UCLan had just built a building that was like 12 million pound and um, called the Media Factory. So I went to an open day there and was really impressed with it. And um, obviously full of IMAX and they had a green screen and it was like really cool. So went there, had a good time there. Short films were terrible, um, but still still loved it um, and just persisted, carried on. And then after graduating there, I went and did um, a two-year course at Everyman Theatre, which was sort of really intense, basically an MA, but it, right. wasn't, it wasn't a qualified MA. It was just um, a young writer's programme. Yeah. Something that's very well regarded down south, but for some reason up north, it's really not considered anything special. So, for example, the Royal Court Young Writers Program, um, the the writers that get onto that sort of get agents. Is this play playwriting? Like, is yeah, that... playwriting. Okay, cool. So, like writers like Jack Thorne, who's yeah. just an absolute beast. He was on the Royal Court Young Writers Program. Um, it's very competitive to get on there. Um, but yeah, it's like I say, it's up north. It's not people don't really even know what it is, um, but it is it is quite prestigious. So we had to sort of read like eight plays a week. And are you a theatre fan? Like, and yeah, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so theatre is something that I've always sort of wanted to. I mean, I think I've only seen uh, what was the I think it's called what was the Wizard of Oz one, the the witch one, and the uh, Book of Mormon. I've only seen those, right, yeah. but like, yeah. I really want to get into actually, like you know, actual theatre. But uh, I mean. Is that something that you went to as a kid? Like, how did you get into theatre? Um, that just came down through dialogue. Like, I because I, right. I was I was writing dialogue on on the screenwriting program, and then the tutor, the Bill McCoy, who's uh, still a big supporter of mine, and he's head of screenwriting there. He said, you know, you should you should think of doing a play because he'd I think he'd won a an award in Manchester at a Fringe Festival, and um, he said, you know, you should you should pursue it. So that's when I googled it and found this young writers program and then i started reading sort of um just playwrights that 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 had crossed over to screenwriting so like david mamet and uh, martin mcdonough and yeah and and then harold pinter i was like massive on when i when i sort of first read him um and then yeah so i had this intense program of of playwriting um and then after that that's when the filmmaking kicked in more and And, uh so just to jump back a sec, so when you say you you said you want to be a filmmaker pretty early on, um, I don't. I mean, personally, I don't think I even knew what 
I didn't, I didn't know I knew what films were. I didn't know there was a people behind it for a long time. Like, what was the thing that made you think that's what I want to do? Well, I watched I watched The Godfather, and that was although it's a cliche, that was like a big like wow. That was a big wow moment. Um, and it's really weird because now in hindsight, when I analyze that film and like Francis Ford Coppola, that he sort of start, started from a theater um, background because he did theater a lot. And then obviously it's got a literary quality to it because it's adapted from a book. Yeah. Um, and it's just top to bottom. It's just like a, an amazing film. Yeah. Um, and then when I'd got into film, because I, I never went to cinema as a kid because you have, you have some filmmakers who were just, you know, from the age of six, they're like, I want to make films. Um, and they go to cinema religiously because I was sports obsessed. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really doing that. So I didn't really, I haven't got a lot of memories of going to the cinema. No. Um, but then, then I just wanted to just consume film and just watched f- film after film. And I think like the age of 16 was just massive. Cause I remember watching so many films that just like end up being my favorite films. So like taxi driver, or, um, you know, just like a lot of French new wave as well. Like I <laughs> yeah. watched Truffaut, well, a lot of Truffaut. So when I watched 400 blows, I was like, wow, this is so real. This is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, that had a big impact at an early age. Cool. I mean, um, so, so you're in sports, so you do the theater thing and did you, uh, did that sort of make you a better writer? I mean, I know it obviously did, but I mean, what way would like a playwright, playwriting course sort of feed into your like film writing or filmmaking in general did you have to did you direct any plays yeah well the course was you had to write a play over over the course of the the program so i did that and it got a reading so that was really interesting because you have 80 pages and then you see actors you know perform it um and so that's eye-opening but i wrote a sort of a i wrote a comedy um and so to hear people it was the first time where people were like laughing at my writing in a good way yeah <laughs> uh, and i was like all right well this is okay i can do that that's good um but then it would you know you do writing exercises and stuff and sometimes things would get ripped apart and you'd yeah. be like right okay so i've got a long way to go sort of thing um but i guess when you're reading eight plays a week you're just getting a sense of structure and you know that different osmosis, aspects but you're just and, sort of absorbing it in yeah yeah Exactly. And just your tastes as well, you know, because there was some stuff that I just, there's some theatre that I absolutely despise. And I don't actually go to the theatre a lot because yeah. I end up being disappointed most of the time and just not enjoying it. But for, but for example, Martin McDonough. Um, the Pillow went, Man, right? Is that the. Yeah, the Pillow yeah, Man is amazing. Yeah. But um, he had a play called The Hangman um, on, I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah. And I like made the trip to London because I knew it wasn't going to play up north. And I just loved it and thought it was brilliant. And just because he's just really entertaining and his dialogue's amazing. And what, uh, yeah. he, he did in Bruges, right? I'm picking yeah, up. yeah. Okay, yeah. So in Bruges, it, in Bruges and Seven, Seven Psychopaths, like, I think are two amazing films. Like for the dialogue, especially in, like, in Bruges, I think it's maybe one of my top 10 films ever. I think actually when I couldn't think of like the, just everything about it is so on point and so, and so funny and so uh, melancholic. And it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just ridiculous because he, um, like, obviously he was a produced playwright when he was very young. And then he did this short film that actually won him an Oscar. So he got, he got the, the best Oscar for short film. Yeah. And then in Bruges got, I'm pretty sure in Bruges got nominated 
and for for best screenplay and won a load of awards and just like so he's just so consistently I mean and I bumped into him the weird thing was when I went down to to watch the play um I went down for my birthday with my girlfriend and we 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 I didn't for some reason I wasn't getting emails and yeah. so we got we got uh, in the tube to the royal court and just as we stepped into the like the foyer um this email came through and it was like oh we're really sorry tonight's performance is cancelled um and i was like so devastated i was like oh my god it's my birthday come down and see my favorite uh, writer's play and um the the person at the the box office was like oh we might be able to get you a ticket for tomorrow and we were we were going to be there tomorrow so it was okay so i sort of walk out of the royal court devastated and across the way i see a guy taking a a photograph of um the hangman it's like up in lights and I, I go, oh, that's really weird. He looks exactly like Martin McDonough. Um, and it was him. So, like, I ran across the street dodging traffic um, <laughs> to meet him yeah. uh, and, and just had, a, like, a nice chat with him and was just like – he was very apologetic. He was like, the play's not ready yet. Um, oh, is that, it was, so it just wasn't uh, – what, wasn't finished? Or? Well, they were saying it, it was definitely finished. It was, it was. They said it was to do with the health and safety thing of – Right. Um basically someone gets hanged in the first scene. Um, and so it was Jesus. to do with the health and safety of that. Comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a dark comedy. But um, yeah. he was very na- nice. And I think he was a bit surprised that I knew who he was. But then again, he, he was outside the building of his of where his play was going to be. You're like on. the 17th person who came up to him that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I thought it was nice that he was taking a photo of his own. Yeah, You know what I mean? I thought that was quite like, he's human. You know, he's just taking a photo of his as a memory. Yeah. So uh, okay, so you you do the uh, the third thing, the playwright. You level up in like terms of dialogue and that kind of thing. Um, so when 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 do you come back to filmmaking from that point? Well, after after I graduated from the Young Writers Program, we put on sort of scratch nights, um, short plays, and we we all sort of produced it and organised it, and it was really hard work. And we ended up putting on about five nights, I think, in one year. Um, which was pretty good going, really, considering we all had to write the, the short play and cast it and put it on and advertise it. And then I just remember thinking after sort of the fourth one, like 30 people are going to watch this. Yeah. And then it's just, it's dying. It's going nowhere. Yeah. Um, I really need to get back into filmmaking because then it's there and it's there forever and I can, I can show people what I can do. Um, but in between sort of taking action on that, and getting the Creative England funding, one of the short plays was sort of well received. So that ended up, I ended up quickly writing a full length play of that and putting that on for two nights um, at a theatre in Liverpool, which was an interesting experience because it, okay. it was. Uh, was like an eighty-page. Yeah, it was a. Wow. It was an. Eight, yeah. It was a. It was a about an hour and ten minutes, an hour and twenty minutes comedy again of um, sort of two struggling actors living in a living in a flat in Toxteth and sort of one of them having really bad mental health issues um and it was good I, I thought it was good I thought it was funny it was um and again I, I would never have done it if it wasn't for sort of testing it out yeah. and, people, and people going oh where's this gonna go it's really funny and then the actor and the actress that were in it were like can you please you know, we really enjoyed doing this. Can you please write more of it? And then it's sort of, you know, um, the, basically one of the actors sort of 
willed it into being and sort of did a lot of the organizational stuff that I just wasn't capable of doing. Yeah. And is that, um, so what's happening with that play now? You sort of put it in the, um, in yeah. the, the armory ready for maybe like, you know, feature film. No, it was, to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't all a good experience. It was, um, yeah, it wasn't all a good experience because I didn't really direct the play. Well, well, I sort of did, but it, but I was never sort of credited as a director. And um, yeah, it just turned a bit sour, really. Like the yeah. the, the, the relationship between one of the actors, um, it sort of that they were sort of using it as a like a jumping off point and sort of did a lot of radio. So they did a lot of radio press, sort of saying they'd produced it and my name wasn't mentioned. And then they wanted to do it again. Um, And I was like, well, it's down to me and I don't want to do it again. And so it was just sort of a weird... 80 pages pages of writing is is a massive, like, it's a tall order in itself. Like, to to not really get the... If you're directing that as well, to not get the credit, that's got to be... It's got to be a little sour. Yeah, it was. was, was, But it was eye-opening and it was like, right, okay. Um, Again, it was like, it came down to a bit more of like, of control and I should have more control around things and um, not in like a maniacal way of just like everything's got to be my way, but just um, when you enter into a project, just knowing how, how like you can't be screwed over or you can't be taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, And like the play was, was good and it went on for two nights and then it was like, that was it. People had a good laugh with it and it, but it's not something, and it was sort of written specifically for those actors. So I worked in a way where it was sort of we had these ten pages, um, and I basically threw them out um, because it, that was its own thing and started from scratch again. Um, but it was sort of written bit by bit by bit, so it was just yeah, it was yeah. for them. Like so, I if I could if I ever got like two other actors in to play it, it would feel really strange. I imagine because yeah. I would just be seeing it wouldn't really be characters. It would it, I would be imagine I'd be seeing them two actors again. Yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean. So I do want to write a play at some point. Um, cause I have, I've written a couple. I wrote that one. I wrote the one for the, um, for the program. And then I've, I've written another one since, but I've not really been happy enough with any of them to, to send them off anywhere or get notes on them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it's on the back burner. It's something I'd love to do at some point in the future, but I just don't know in, enough about it to even, you know, even try. Uh, but I mean, maybe, maybe you should take me to a, a play or two in the, uh, well, I think if you're gonna st- if you're gonna start, there's n- there's no better thing than finding either finding two actors that you really like and going, all right, I'm going to write a scene for them, hmm. and we can just you know do it in the living room or whatever and just hear how it sounds. Um, is or, this uh, is that that sort of idea I kind of get from your short film projects as well, like the twelve short films? Like there's a few that are like uh, scenes, you know what I mean? That like there's one uh, death of an actor. I'm actually thinking of right now. It's like you sort of directing someone, and that seems like a very quick. From uh, it's very like really, really funny, really great. I advise people to go watch it. But it's like it seems like a short time from oh, I've got an idea for something. Let's let's you know quickly do it here in this room. Yeah, Is yeah. That how that worked? Um, not really. I guess, I guess I mean all the the twelve shorts were like a quick turnaround. Yeah, but well, with like, that be, one before we go to that, I'd so. Do you want to tell us a bit about like how you came up with the idea to do the twelve short films and uh, and what that project is and and where that that came from and then we'll, well go into a bit more detail about them in particular. Yeah, 
Well, I guess I, I'd, the previous year I'd not done anything. Well, I, I was doing a master's, so the, the, the first year was, was um, you know, an MA in creative writing at the Manchester Writing School. And so I was, but again, I was a frustrated filmmaker. So I was writing prose and I was reading a lot of short stories because my, my project was going to be a short story collection. Yeah. And then um, it got to sort of December of 2015 and I was like oh my god I've not made a single short film um it had been like a year over a year since I'd made the creative England short film and so I just thought you know what I'm just gonna make I'm gonna shoot something on my phone so I did that and, it, and I enjoyed it and people found it was funny even though it looked like it was shot on a potato it looked terrible <laughs> yeah um but then I was like that's how easy it is um you know, it's it really is that easy because because filmmaking is that weird thing where like, it, it, on one hand, it is so easy. Yeah. You know, all you need to do is press play, but then on the other hand, it's so difficult if you make it difficult. You know, depending on what type of film you want to make, and you know, if there needs to be a budget and whatever, like it can be really difficult, but really it's not. So then I, I sat down with my sound man Ryan, and I was like, what what cheap sound equipment can I get? And so that's when he was like, well, I can give you a day, like just give me a day and, you know, I'll, I'll get it booked off or whatever. Um, or, and then he said, I think, you know, I can always do weekends. Um, and then it just came into my head of like, well, maybe we do something one a month. Why don't we do 12 and 12? Um, and up until that point, I didn't know that, uh, I believe Shane Meadows has done it. And I think Alice Lowe had done something similar as well. But at that point I didn't know anyone who had done it. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought, okay, well, that's it. And I had the first two hmm. um, and I thought, well, I've got two months to come up with, you know, a couple more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I should be all right. Um, but yeah, but then since doing it, there's, there's been a guy on Twitter that is, that has done it as well, or he, or he's, well, he must be up to his ninth one now or his eighth one. And he said, it's because of me. He, he started doing it, which is. It's just a solid idea. Insane. I mean, um, so photographers on Flickr used to do, Project 365s, which were like a photo a day. It's, it's, it's similar. I think it's that kind of uh, deciding you're going to hold yourself accountable in a way. Um, and you, you can't get halfway through and then decide. Yeah. Nah, too much work. Although, did, yeah, did, did, that, happen? did that happen? Did you ever feel like, um, I think I've bitten off yeah, I can chew? It did, yeah. It did. I think, you know what, it got to the point where um there was a couple of times like you know they i've never ran a marathon but you know they say you hit the wall in a marathon yeah it, it was it was like that so i got sort of halfway through and was like oh what's the like why am i even doing this like what's the point because at that point i'd done like six or seven and i was like i don't even need to do 12 like what's the point in doing 12 it's just you know um and then i would think well no you have to do 12 because that's the whole sort of i had one eye on the whole marketing thing of yeah you know putting it on the cv and like oh i did and also i knew i wanted to email people and introduce myself and be like oh last year i did 12 shorts in 12 months yeah and i was like i won't be able to say that you know and it, so um and i made, I made the, seven films yeah i made seven <laughs> Pretty films good, right? <laughs> yeah but um and that that's proven to be true as well when i do email people it, it it's pretty good you know it's a good thing to introduce yourself with um, but then also I got to like October and I'd done a, I'd done a Halloween horror thing and then I had two left and it was like, it was getting to the very, like down to the wire of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this cause I'm just bone dry. Yeah. 
Um, and somehow, like, we did it. We, I think we ended up shooting two uh, over one weekend yeah. and sort of making it happen. But, yeah, it wasn't pretty, the end of it. It's interesting. Uh, like, uh, is there the, there's, there's Parkinson's law, which states that the work will get done in the time available. And it always seems to be, like, if I... I always have to try and think about it in terms of writing, but like if I have eight hours in a day to write so many words, it will take me that long to do that many words. If I have like an hour, it'll take me, I'll, I'll get the words done in that hour. Like it's, yeah. if you sort of set yourself these weird little deadlines, you, you, you do do it eventually, Like you will get yeah. it done. I think that's what, again, that was another reason for the 12 because you don't, um, that it had to be done and it, and it's that focus and that discipline. I think most filmmakers go wrong because they don't have any of that and they just have like most filmmakers sort of have funding as, as their big issue. Yeah. And, and they're like, Oh right, well I've, I haven't been able to get funding and then they'll just sit on something for, for a while and they'll just wait for a funding opportunity, you know, and then it's yeah. just, but they come about like every couple of weeks or months you know and you're just constantly waiting um yeah yeah no i uh completely agree it's that whole thing of um they've got an idea for film they've got a script and like they've got like a uh like a picture collage <laughs> and they've got like a, a mood reel and they've got all the, all the bits but they've not actually done any work in, t- in terms of making it themselves or, get, or getting it off the ground or maybe putting some putting it off and doing something else but like, um, I kind of feel like all of that really is just uh, an element of fear. Like, I feel like what they really want when they want like a funding scheme to give them money, they really want someone to tell them that their idea is good. You know what I mean? Like, it's good enough. We we approve. Your idea yeah. is approved. Whereas, like, I don't think it works like that. I think nowadays, especially, you you do kind of have to just put content out there. <laughs> like, you really just have to put content out over and over again. And like your thing of doing the twelve short films in twelve months is. Uh, it's it's like a blog post headline, you know what I mean? Like it's so like catchy. Like I made twelve short films in in twelve months, and it's such yeah. a such a catchy idea. Well, it's, well, another thing was like taking influence from vloggers. Yeah, because, because I was I was looking at them and I was going, how are they? Because for as a fiction filmmaker, you you look at their efficiency and their output, and you're just going, well, how can I? how can I change it so I'm like them or, or I'm a little bit closer to them, you know, because like what with what Casey Neistat's done in terms of like one a day. That's about three um, or four years and he did it for a long time. Yeah. He's done, he's done loads and he's not the only one either. And there was a guy called, um, his surname escapes me, but Julian, Julian something. And he was doing one, he was a fiction filmmaker and he yeah. was doing one, one a week. So it was like a new short film every Wednesday. Uh, cool. Um, and he he since stopped doing it, but he, but he but he got like you know a million subscribers, and there were there were these really cool. I mean, the, the comedy was sort of a bit weird for me and a bit too surreal. Yeah. But he he was clearly experienced and had lighting, and he must have had like a cool. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Crew that were talented and stuff because his stuff looked great. And I think he was shooting on a black magic. Okay, um, yeah. And so I was, I was watching his stuff and I was like, right, okay, well, I'm not, it's not going to look as good as his stuff, but I've got to get closer to this, you know, output thing and i'm still thinking that i think i think about that every day like obviously i want to do bigger projects and i want to do features but there's that thing of how you know in 2017 it is possible to get stuff out sort of on a regular basis and so and how do you do that you know so yeah yeah we're in a completely different world now and also in terms of like uh craft like do you feel like if you spent a year working on one five-minute short film versus what you did, so a short film every month, do you feel like which would have improved your craft the most? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you when you're working on one project, obviously you, you have that time to sort of get everything perfect. and But a lot of the time it leads to sort of overthinking anyway. I think the nice thing about the 12 shorts was that I didn't have any time to to overthink and dwell on stuff that I didn't really need to dwell on. And I was a bit sort of, I was very clinical. I was very like, if, you know, I guess with making decisions, I was just like, nah, we're doing it this way. Like, cause it has to, it has to get done. And I remember on the first one, um, the cinematographer wasn't over the moon with the bathroom cause we were shooting in my bathroom yeah. and it, it's not very cinematic. You know, there's no, there's no window for light coming in and yeah, okay. what have you. But I was like, it's my bathroom. I'm going to have to get naked to get in this bath. I'm not going to feel comfortable if we go and use someone else's bath bathroom. Yeah. Um, let's just do it here. It's the first one. Let's get it out of the way sort of thing. Cause, cause anyone else, they could have sort of gone, Oh yeah, let's try and get another bathroom. And then you didn't. And then you'd end up like giving up and going, Oh, I don't want to do it in my own bathroom now. Yeah. Like, and I was just sort of, I was so sort of obsessed and one track minded. I was like, no, so there's that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so do you think it, the, tw- the project 12, is it, have you got a name for it, by the way? Like a, a, a short hand name for it? <laughs> no, I, I just call it, yeah, 12 in 12, the 12, 12 shorts. In, 12 in yeah. 12, okay. I yeah. like it. And did it did it make you a better filmmaker? <laughs> yeah. One, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's the it's the best thing I've done. Like, best, best decision to do that. I mean, it's yeah. the, I've had so much positive feedback and, um, so many good things have come out of it um yeah you know and it will and that will continue you know for the next couple of years 
the you know i'll still be getting stuff from that and it's just um and that really wasn't that wasn't the in, intention the what it wasn't like oh i'll make 12 shorts and then i'll be able to get a feature and then you know we'll be rich and famous by the end yeah yeah yeah. it was just like i was so annoyed with myself that i i had this ability and i wasn't using it and Mm. um yeah and just again like just being able to make a short film on a phone yeah when i'm shooting it and i'm not i'm not technical at all um and to be able to get a reaction off people it was just like I need to do that more often. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, uh, Ray Bradbury is one of my like favorite science fiction writers, and he one of his big biggest piece of advice to people is um, write a short story every single week for a year, and you'll end up with like fifty two short stories. They won't all be good, but you'll be a better writer, and there'll definitely be some pretty great stories in there. And it's just getting into that habit of like just producing constantly and and getting getting them in front of an audience and sort of testing ideas and not being too precious. Yeah. I think I think I think if you know if you're spending a year working on this one short film, the pressure to have it be fucking amazing is so is like just weighing down on you, and you you you'll probably never you'll be so scared to sort of get out there. If, you, if you're thinking uh, this one might not be as good as this one might not be as good, but the next one will be good, or like the one after that will be good, or yeah, I know you try and get everyone every single one amazing, but like it, it takes the pressure off a bit, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm also very cynical of sort of the the routes that people take as well. So, like, if you do the one brilliant short film, um, yeah, where where's that going to lead to? Like, what's what's the best that can? Because I think most filmmakers, again, they think like you should go a certain way, and you do. You know, you make the amazing short film, and it goes to the festivals, and then yeah, uh, you know, it wins loads of awards, and then and I, I, I just think. That doesn't really ha- happen very often, and and even then, you would need you need something after that. You need a f- you need a feature script, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, David Davis. I mean, David Sandberg. Um, he's the horror director who, who did uh, Annabelle Creation and uh, Lights Out. He he was making these uh, little short films with no money, with just him and his girlfriend or fiance or whatever. And one of them was the the Lights Out short film. And that yeah. went incredibly viral, and then that suddenly was the one that sort of got him those meetings, and he had like, you know, and scripts and ideas and stuff already. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't. I think we're not in the world anymore. Where I mean, sure, some short films might go and win awards at film festivals, but there's so many. I don't know. There's so many very expensive shit short films. <laughs> like they're yeah. just. Uh, the, didn't need, didn't need to waste that much money on that short film. It would have been better to spread that money against like five or six short films. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. I mean, the, the thing is, it's I'm not saying I have the right answer or, or my path is the right way because you, if you're sitting on a brilliant short film that's going to get into 30 film festivals and you also have that feature length screenplay, yeah, then that's an amazing... Then definitely, yeah, go to the film festivals because... It, you won't you need you just need that one person to watch it and you know you'll be grand and if not you can always email people the feature length screenplay mm. or, or the log line saying i've made a short film and it's just gone to 30 festivals and yeah. so that's a great marketing line you know and so i think with david sandberg he obviously he got lucky in the sense that he he just put it online for a competition yeah uh, and then it went viral and 
you know, next thing you know, he's in Hollywood a couple of weeks later or what have you. It is, so, it is a great short film, but have you seen the other short films he did as part of that little like experiment? They're not, they're, they're okay, but they're nowhere near as good. I think he yeah. just managed to hit on that one solid idea with like the light switch, which is really effective. But yeah. um, yeah, you just need that one that one thing to sort of take off. Yeah, I mean, and the thing as well, like the the, the twelve shorts are not. Um, they're not amazing short films. They were more like exercises and uh, me me pushing ideas. Um, you know, so for example, like I knew I was going to make one at certain locations. You know, so I knew I was going to make one yeah. at a phone box. I knew I was going to make one at a bus stop. And so, like, when people have seen them and sort of industry people have taken interest, it's more with me and the idea and the sort of the creativity. They've not been. They've not been in awe. Of the of the beautiful short film or whatever, because yeah, yeah. like you say, you see some short films that come out of film schools, and they're like they get like a twenty grand budget and and, and they look incredible, um, but then they're, they're sort of lacking in creativity. And, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So it's, Sometimes. I feel like with twenty grand, anyone can make a like to make a beautiful looking film. Yeah, of twenty grand. Well, this is the thing that, uh, so I used to, I got really in photography for a while and, um, you know, I got a, a DSLR and I was taking these photos and once you kind of get to a point where you realize a lot of these people who are taking these amazing photographs, just have a great fucking camera and a great lens. <laughs> that's like, that's 90% of the thing. Um, and then the rest is obviously the, the, the creativity and sort of taking a good picture. But, um, it kind of made me realize that like, that that's, that, that's not interesting. Like, you, I want to sort of find other ways to be creative that don't that you don't just need the camera to sort of or the money or the equipment to, to get you there really. Um, but yeah, do you have a favorite film out of the twelve? Um, well, sometimes it changes, but I do like the last one. I I like the last one because I felt like I was hitting upon something that was not a, not really a short film. It felt like a it was the opening scene to something. It, it felt like from, it was from a feature film or, you know, at least a TV show. Yeah. So what, it felt... What was the name of this one? So that one's Harry and Jim Get Coffee. So that's um, more, when I watched that, I thought that it was an opening scene or like to the web series or something. It, it, yeah. felt, it felt like a, uh, like a mumblecore, like Francis Ha sort of, uh, that sort of vibe. Like really yeah. well done, really funny, really sort of sweet and, and, and lo-fi. And and in Manchester, you made it look really pretty, which I think I told you before. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice. I think, again, like it could have been with with the short films, it was sort of halfway through, or not even halfway through, when we first started. I was like, is the objective here to get as many views as possible? And I was always sort of annoyed at, you know, these memes on Facebook that were getting like millions of views and then, our, our shorts were getting like 4,000 views. But then I I realized it was because we weren't going after that sort of that premise. Yeah. You know, and um, like, for example, Kieran Griffiths was in one of our short films and he's quite well known in Manchester because he was in Shameless. And the week after he was in one of our shorts, um, he was in a short for, I think it was Unilad, that got like 10 million views um, because it was... I think the I think the film the headline was like when your girlfriend discovers the Snapchat filters, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh god, you know, and it and it got like ten million views, which is obviously great for him and stuff. But I was like, 
it, there was something dirty about that and it, and it was sort of yeah it was it was a bit annoying as a filmmaker to be like oh well my stuff's getting a couple of thousand views but then i sort of learned to get over that and just focus on improving as a filmmaker and um just trying to make a better short film each time out um, exactly and, and you as like you said it wasn't the purpose right to to have like something go viral or make a million pounds or whatever it's like to get better as a at the craft of it yeah i think as well like you i think the why the last one is my favorite is because i knew when i was making it that i knew what my next thing was or i knew i knew because i often like when when i finish something and i have that sort of time in between where i'm like oh i don't know what i'm I don't know what I'm going to do next or whatever. I sort of go back and I watch the last thing. Um, and then that sometimes tells me where I need to go. Yeah. Um, for some reason, cause I'll, I'll think like, Oh, this is what I was thinking or I, because with, with get coffee, we, me and Jim were obviously thinking of sort of very realistic acting and how we can make it feel, um, like it's a comedy, but it's not really a sitcom. Um, yeah. cause we always, we always sort of slag off British comedy and how no one's really gone past the office. Yeah, uh, they just seem to be influenced by The Office now. It's just, you know, mockumentary style. And that was ages ago. Like that was, yeah, that was years ago. and years ago. So, um, and then I knew after we did that, I was like, yeah, that was really cool. We should just do that, keep doing that, and keep working on it. And then that's how um, the web series came about. So, so you, you do the uh, the playwriting course, and then you and then you have like a uh, a period of time where you're like, oh man, I just want to make sure I've spent so long. You're spinning your wheels and you think this is where most this is where most filmmakers are right now they're spinning the wheels and they're thinking i just so like frustrated because nothing's actually getting made i'm not getting any any further so you decide to make 12 short films in, in a year you do that and then this web series comes along so i mean and this actually got funding right so yeah yes yeah, so. is that is this from the, the the project well yeah i guess it was in a way um because I was on something called the Northwest Talent Program, which, mm. which anyone sort of in the Northwest could have applied for. And it was held at FACT in Liverpool. And it was like monthly meetups. Um, and you had to apply to get on it. And then I think 30 or 40 people went. And just each month they had like a, just practitioners, you know, that had made, made different features or TV. Or like one month we had uh, Brian Smith who produced mad max so he was he was talking about how he um he basically went over to sydney and sort of damage control basically helped fury road get made yeah um which was really fascinating um and then at the end of that there was a pitching sort of competition um it wasn't it wasn't for a great amount of money it was for 1500 pound but i wanted i was going to make the web series anyway um but then I had it in my head of sort of, I mean, as soon as it was announced, I know like people are critical of like the law of attraction or whatever, but as soon as it was announced, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that. Like yeah. that's, that was sort of, um, I've got it in my moleskin, like, cause I keep these red moleskins and I've got sort of OCD with them. I've written in them for about seven or eight years now, yeah. but, but, but I dated it. I was like, well, 1500 pound, that's already in the budget. Um, and that was like a month before I'd, or a couple of months before I'd actually pitched for it. Yeah, um, I feel like the law of attraction really, really isn't like anything magical. I kind of feel like you you put your intention down and it's that constant reminder to make those small decisions each and every day to work towards it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't or, know. I or it's this, magical. <laughs> well, I think like to, to, to 
to compare a really stupid analogy, like just from the sports background, mm. like you hear footballers, like footballers who score amazing goals, that in post-match interviews, they're like, yeah, I, j- I just knew as soon as it left my foot. And yeah. you're like, really? Did yeah. you? Like, how, how could you know as soon as it left your foot? Because it, it only just left your foot. Yeah. Um, but like, I understand, I sort of get that and I understand. And I think because, I mean, t- like the people in the room that were pitching, they were really good. Like, because they'd all had, um, you know, a relationship with Creative England or they'd made a good short film and they'd gone to festivals and what have you. So they weren't like just Joe Average off the street. But I think because I'd, because I'd done the 12 shorts and I knew my idea was I'm going to use this money and I'm going to make six episodes of something. And I think that's very exciting because where the industry is going mm. in terms of web series. Um, I just knew I had like... I had a nice little package there, whereas everyone else was sort of, I mean, some, for example, one person got up and they wanted £1,500 for basically, essentially petrol for, for transport because yeah. they, were, they were developing a treatment with a screenwriter in London. Yeah. And, um, and I just, yeah, when he, when he pitched, I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. £1,500 development money to do that. Like, so... Yeah, I guess, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an arrogance. It was just like, I know that no one will have an idea like that in terms of I'm going to make it, you know. So, because the thing is, again, quite a lot of people were getting up asking for money for a short film. So they would, they would pitch the short film. Um, And then in my pitch, which was one of the last ones, I was like, you know, I'm I'm not using this for one short film. I'm I'm using it to to develop a series. Um, And then because I'd, not only did I have the 12 shorts, but I had Get Coffee, which was essentially a pilot of the, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they were like, ah, right, he's going to do this. And, you know, so, um, and I think it helped as well. Like on the panel, there were people that sort of knew me. There was, there was you know, on the panel, the, the, there was a lady from Creative England who she'd sort of, she'd helped us a lot in terms of script editing hits like a girl and, um, I mean, there was people on the panel that I didn't know at all. Um, you know, it wasn't total like favoritism or anything, but there was just a couple of people there who, um, for example, there was a filmmaker called Nick Moss who, um, he made a short film with, um, oh, his name escapes me now. Uh, John Hurt. Oh my yeah. God. That's terrible. That's blasphemy. Sorry. Rest in, rest um, in he, yeah, yeah. He, he made, he made like the sort of one of the last films with John Hurt. And um, he he'd selected a short film of mine the year before to play at Fact at Liverpool Film Night. So he sort of he knew of me, yeah. Um, through that short film, but again, we weren't like we weren't drinking buddies, yeah. Um, so but it, but again, I think that's another thing for filmmakers. It's like if you can keep chipping away, you, you, you do never... build relationships over time as well. Yeah, not, not and they're, like, they're not like, even really... yeah yeah they're not like uh, uh, best friends, but like just to sort of I feel like um there's like a like an awareness and once they know of you they sort of have more confidence in you especially if you've been doing if they know you've been chipping away for the last two years or something yeah no exactly because i mean the amount of people that you know not just on this pitching competition but i think people pitch for you know 10 grand and they've not made a short film you know it happens all the time i I did a talk recently at fact where i was like the, the whole the subject of the talk was it's not about the funding yeah and then when i sat down all the questions were about funding all the questions were like oh so how did you get the creative england funding and it was like 
it's, it's well it's not about that like give us the spoke. magic answer <laughs> that's, yeah, what, yeah, that's what they want exactly yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what they want they want the shortcut yeah so and yeah. sadly there isn't one unfortunately not no um so the web series is called early days yeah it took us forever to come up with the title we had a lot of bad ones um but yeah i think early days fits it pretty well okay um, and you're putting it all online in one go? Or are you going to sort of... Um... No, we're going to do one a week. One a week um, I think cause, because we're not Netflix and it is, yeah. it is just it's Facebook and it's Vimeo and whatever, I think if you put up all six, it would sort of get lost a little bit. Yeah. Um, and people would maybe watch them out of order, which yeah. isn't crucial. But I think as well, like for one a week, it's a nice sort of uh, a nice way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and when when is this going to... When is this gonna premiere well i still got a little bit of editing to do and then um i'm handing it over to the sound designer um so i'm hoping the middle of september okay, um, cool. yeah fingers crossed um i'm looking forward for people to, to see it because it's because it's come from just a pitch and 1500 pound and then me and jim have just sort of sort of written it as we've gone along um i think that's the thing as well like i beat myself up quite a lot over it when we were, when we were shooting it because in my head for some stupid reason I had the ten thousand pound version of it you know like if we had ten grand per episode yeah, yeah and I was thinking of like these brilliant storylines that obviously weren't in the, in the web series like if we'd have had the time to spend on it and stuff like that yeah and so when I was watching back you know all six and was like this we got all of this in the can for fifteen hundred it was it was hard to then you know, take a look at it and go, oh, it's not that thing that it yeah. can be. Yeah. I mean, um, how long but, was it? Uh, how long is, it, is the entire thing now? Um, I think most of the epi- episodes are five minutes. I think the last two are like eight minutes each. Um, and there's six but, episodes, right? Yeah, there's six episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they're all a little bit different in terms of sort of format as well. Like, because one of them is just sort of one scene, which is, I guess, is quite similar to the 12 shorts. Mm. But then most of the others are sort of jump around. Um, but it's been it's been an amazing experience. I mean, before before the, the web series, I was kicking myself going, oh, why didn't I just do another 12? Because th- there was part of me that wanted to just do that again. Um, but then just market it in a better way or yeah. shoot, shoot better behind the scenes stuff and release them as well. Um, but then, for whatever reason, I didn't do that because um, I wanted to try something new. Um, and then, yeah, just I'm excited to see how this comes out and what people think of it. Yeah, definitely, me too. And um, so, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll share it out uh, on our social media bits and pieces, and maybe drop something on the mailing list and that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, we probably haven't got too much time to talk about it, and I don't know how much you can talk about it. But the feature mm-hmm. film as well. So I mean, yeah. so I just want to. So there's so many people out there, filmmakers out there who just don't know what to do. And I just want to use you as, the, as an example here. So you did the, um, the, the short films uh, and then you did got that sort of, in a way, led to the um, the web series. And then this has all sort of led to a feature film uh, sort of deal, right? Or Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, can you talk, what can you talk about that at the minute? Yeah. Um, well, essentially, I met um, Red Union Films at... The, the pitch mm. so when I when I pitched the web series that's where I met David Hughes from Red Union and he 
he said, you know, sort of, I kept mentioning, I, I spoke a lot about business stuff in the pitch. So about web series being bought and that's where I see things going. And, um, and then I talked a lot about improv because we, we'd obviously shot this last short film with a lot of improvisation. Um, and he, his ears sort of pricked up at that because he'd just done a feature film, um, with improvisation and he wanted to do it, um, sort of from the beginning. Cause I think he came in at the end of a process where he gave some money, um, for, for a film to finish sort of post-production. Yeah. And he wanted he wanted to produce one himself, so I think it was good timing because Red Union haven't done a sort of a, a straight up comedy, um, and so he said, you know, send me the short films, and then over about a period of a month, there was a nice sort of backwards and forwards where he watched the short films and then he'd come back and he'd say, um, can you send us the scripts because um, we want to see what your writing's like, um, yeah. and then we had an interesting sort of talk because some of the scripts like for example the get coffee one there wasn't a script yeah um but then for the others you know there was sort of there was bits and pieces and then for for most of them there was a script so we were we were talking about that and improvisation and how you do it and he asked you know do you shoot two cameras um you know just stuff like that mm. which was which was good because he was he was learning about what i'd like as a filmmaker so that clearly clicked and and then we sort of met up um, and then, yeah, so we have, we have an agreement sort of, I have to write a feature length screenplay. Um, and then, and then we'll see, F fingers crossed. Um, it happens. Um, it's very early days, pun intended. Yeah. Um, but I'm just sort of jotting down dialogue ideas. Um, I've got certain deadlines. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's a tricky one to get my head around because it's, again, it's, I've always done things backwards. So like the feature film is no different in the sense that um, I know I know certain things. So I sort of know a rough budget and I know uh, a rough sort of like I'm going to be in it. And I know, um, yeah, so I know a sort of a style as well, but then it's writing for that. So it's it's interesting and exciting and I've just got to get writing a lot. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, uh, it just shows a really great progression and i don't know just just this just proof of sort of like what what i believe is you're good you make me feel like i have i, I believe in the right thing <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah. just making stuff yourself like that's that it's so so nice to see that paying off in, in, in this way for you yeah no thank you i think i like i've definitely got lucky mm. as well like i've definitely got lucky um because i don't really i hadn't really sent i don't send stuff out you know, like I don't, I don't have an agent. I've, I've never approached an agent. Um, and I think, I think my persistence and, and sort of, uh, again, it, like you said before, it, it is the little things, you know, cause most people, they wouldn't send the short film to Liverpool film night. Um, yeah. they try and send it to encounters or they send it to Aesthetica and then they wouldn't go on the Northwest talent program because, they would think it was bullshit and it was beneath them. And why do I need to go to see these speakers yeah. once a month, once a month, you know, cause the thing is that was sort of, it sounds silly, but it, that was a big investment for me because it was like 15 quid to, to get to Liverpool. Yeah. And I was coming back sometimes like, like quite late. And I was, I was going fairly early. I was, I was going at like 5 PM and then coming back at like 11, you know? So it's like, it's half a day sort of thing. And, yeah. um, but, but it did majorly pay off because I learned a lot through the through the sessions and then obviously I got the got the funding. 
Um, and then the, the feature thing obviously come out of the back of that, so which you could never predict. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess that's what I'd also challenge other filmmakers to do. Don't just do it. Don't just do the archaic route of make a short film and send it to a festival because you know it's that's what everyone's doing. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez says when people zig, you have to zag. Like because for me, it's like people, everyone's trying to get in those certain film festivals. Um, so you, there's just far too much competition. You, even just just go by the numbers, like in terms of like funding schemes as well. There's far like the big ones. Um, there's so much competition. Um, so you try and find another way around it. I guess is that is yeah. I can hear really. Um, okay, man. I mean, uh, so I've just got one more question, and I've got a quick fire round, which I don't know <laughs> I've told you about. All right. Nice. <laughs> um, so I just want to know uh, influences outside of uh, filmmaking. So uh, any sort of books you read, um, any sort of uh, podcasts or anything like that. Uh, well, I've recently got big into Joe Rogan. Me too. Um, I don't yeah, know. Really. But... What, what, where did that come from? That's weird because I have as well. I think. I thought, well, because I am a fan of UFC. Yeah. And I, I knew he did a podcast on the side, but I just never, never really took the time to listen to it. But then I listened to a guy, the one with Guy Ritchie. That was amazing, wasn't it? When they're talking yeah, about was... suits and stuff. And I was like, I'm weirdly want to wear a suit now. I really I yeah. want to brew my own beer. What's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah. I, mean, I felt less of a man, uh, <laughs> if that's possible. Like at yeah. the end of it, I was like, oh, God. But um, yeah, Joe Rogan is a pretty manly man. Um, but yeah. just fascinating. You know, he's talking. To fascinating people and um it, it, the thing that I was annoyed at with the guy ritchie podcast is there wasn't a lot on filmmaking which no. was a little bit frustrating you know because i i wanted to get sort of deep into that i think um yeah. i mean tim ferris i know you're a big fan of tim ferris as well and yeah i think uh his his podcast with robert rodriguez did you, have you uh, listened to that one it's great yeah yeah i thought i thought that was amazing yeah. and just um I wish Robert Rodriguez would would make more feature films as well and do more yeah. stuff, but he seems to be a bit like not that prolific really at the moment, or maybe yeah. that's just a perception thing. Um, yeah, podcasts not not I'm not massive on podcasts, um, and then books. I mean, I've d- I did a creative writing MA, so I was do- I was reading a lot of fiction for like two years, uh, a lot of short stories. Um, Anything like like genre, or it's more literary fiction, or yeah, sort of de- authors that stand out. Definitely more literary fiction. Um, Simon Rich is brilliant. I love uh, Simon Rich. Yeah, yeah. Very, very funny. Um, ben Lerner is a favourite of mine as well. He's got yeah. a book called Leaving the Atocha Station. Yeah, which is really great. Um, like very biogra- biographical. Um, because it's about his time in Spain as like a, a poet, like in residence. So that's yeah. really interesting and funny and like beautifully written. Um, and to, to be honest, weirdly at the moment, I've been really banging into uh, nonfiction, like business books, like entre- entrepreneurial books, just yeah. again, because it's because filmmaking is one big business. And I think I've got the creative side down to a T or, I'm, or you know, I'm, I'm, that's a strength. Whereas the business side and the industry side is just, I'm totally, I'm not, not totally clueless, but I'm just trying to learn and, um, I think Mark Duplass is like a massive, like hero of mine yeah. and just the way he operates. I, I like that. I like the way he operates. And I think if I can be a British of equivalent, um, that would be a good goal. So I've been, I've been reading like, I've just read Phil Knight's memoir about Nike. 
Shoe Dog or something. Called? Yeah, yeah, Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog yeah. yeah, been recommended really before. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I think as well, reading it when you're like, the guy's worth twenty-seven billion or something stupid, and yeah, but he started off buying shoes in Japan for a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, and five hundred of that was a loan off his dad. Yeah, and I just think you can always. Um, you can always see the parallels and it's and it's the same with I went to see a Kubrick exhibition in Krakow a couple of years ago and um, that was so inspiring because because I'd, I'd read that like his dad and his uncle basically funded his first two feature films yeah. so people think of this people think of Stanley Kubrick as this amazing incredible sort of figure and you know you can even probably YouTube like what great filmmakers think of Stanley Kubrick and it will just be 10 minutes of people you know, lavish, lavish yeah, yeah. praise, but then you know, he really started in the most, you know, meager way. Like, yeah. so again, it's it's not where you start, is it? I tell you, a book that um I would recommend for you, um, and it may not, it may sound a little off field, but have you ever heard of um uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger book, Total Recall? I've not. Okay. I've not, well, I've not read it. I have heard about it. Okay. But... It's uh, in terms of especially in line with like the Joe Rogan sort of podcast and that sort of manly element. Like there's, so that book, Total Recall, it's, it's, it's Arnie's life, uh, where he came from, when he came to America and like all this sort of, it's incredibly inspiring because yeah. he, all the sort of, like he was a millionaire well before he was uh, a film star from like, from like building businesses from the ground up and, and, and all this kind of thing. And he is uh, like an incredible guy. <laughs> like, I think people sort of um, write him off a little bit now because he's almost a caricature of, of himself nowadays. But um, I definitely recommend that to, to anyone, really. I think I've read it about four or five times now. And it's a big book. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I do need to get that one then. Because he's, I mean, he's ridiculous. Like, when, yeah. you, when you think of what he's achieved and like, I, I read somewhere that he missed his dad's funeral. I don't, yeah. I don't know if this is in the book. It is, yeah. Yeah. Because he was doing a, a like bodybuilding competition. So did he actually miss his dad's funeral? If it's one, I think if, I'm sure. I know he missed a funeral um, because he had, like. So it's weird because I read that book and then I read the Psychopath Test by John Ronson fairly soon after, and I was like, oh, Arnie ticks off a lot of these uh, like psychopath boxes, <laughs> but like he's still yeah. kind of he's still kind of amazing, inspiring in a way. But um, yeah, okay, man. You, you go on. Sorry. Well, because I, I think somebody asked him. I think somebody asked him in an interview. Um, is it true that you missed your dad's funeral because you were going to miss one workout? Yeah, and he's and he says, uh, no, no, I was going to miss several workouts. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was a brilliant reply. Like, so he did miss his dad's funeral, but it was because he was going to miss, you yeah. know, a, a couple of workouts. Yeah, um, like traveling backwards and forwards. So I just thought that's like, I mean, and also everyone says that, you know, to 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 be obsessed with something or to be great at something, you, you do have to be. A little bit gone and a little bit of you know yeah yeah so i bet steven soderbergh is a little bit that way yes 100 percent. yeah i think he's i think his book's called getting started or something okay i'm gonna i'm gonna check that out he's got a book that's that's really good about it and he yeah he's definitely i'm sure he ticks off some of john ronson's psychopath test (laughs) yeah i don't know how he sleeps i think he must get like three hours a night that's all you need when you're obsessed or something and yeah. you've got a load of coffee okay yeah. uh so uh the quick fire round um are you ready 
Yeah, oh, like three four seconds to answer these. Don't feel like you have to even uh, think about it. Okay, number one, uh, George Lucas or Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg. Uh, number two, Martin Scorsese or Conor McGregor in a fight? Queensbury rules. You'd have to go with Conor McGregor. Okay, uh, number three, uh, beach weekend or city vacation? At the moment, beach weekend. Okay, uh, number four, fiction or non-fiction? Fiction. Uh, the last book you read? The last book I read was called Super Bosses. Okay. And it was a non- non-fiction book about, yeah, some of some super bosses like Ralph Lauren this is gonna be and Lorne Michaels. <laughs> this is going to be weird because we were literally just talking about books. But the last book you thought about? Well, I guess Total Recall. I guess, <laughs> I guess I've got to go out and buy that. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, the one creative you'd want to meet? See now, now this feels like a Darren Brown mind trick because it, now now I want to say Steven Spielberg. <laughs> okay, uh, biggest hobby outside of making films. There's there's nothing. nothing. Sadly, there is nothing, and that is my problem. You're weird, obsessed. You get three hours of sleep a night. You you tick off. How many how many do you think you took off on the psychopath test? Um, quite a lot. <laughs> okay, because I read that book and and yeah, I read that book and I was like. Yeah, this is a bit worrying. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I did the same thing as well. Okay, um, uh, favorite hot beverage? Decaf coffee. Yeah, interesting. Okay, get I get too jittery with full caffeine. Okay, uh, if you find yourself trapped in a burning school bus on a cliff edge in downtown Manchester, which superhero would you like to be rescued by? Don't ever think it. <laughs> well, it would have to be Superman, okay. wouldn't it? It's weird because Superman's the first person, the first superhero. It's not. Even, I kind of hate him as a superhero, but he's always the first one that, that comes to mind. Okay, uh, the last question, dude. Uh, where can we follow you and your work? Um, on on Twitter, uh, hate sheriff, and I have a Facebook page that's forward slash Harry JJ Sheriff, uh, which is where like early days is going to be um, put out. Um, yeah, that's it really. I've got a website, but it's not very good. HarrySheriff.com. It okay. needs improving. It's, it's uh, serviceable. It does the job. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, just a, a quick thanks to Disaster Peace for the intro and outro music, ACAS for hosting the podcast, the listeners for listening, patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. And thanks once again to uh, our guest today. Thanks so much for coming on, uh, Mr. Harry Sheriff. Thanks so much. Thanks, dude. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 